Warning, the primary subject of the following episode is adverse pre-selection. Abandon all hope, ye who dare enter here. Hi, I'm Philip Lumel. Welcome to No Uncertain Terms, the official podcast of the Term Limits Movement for the week of April 22nd, 2019. Your sanctuary from partisan politics. To make this more comfortable for everyone, we have with us Nick Tombalides, Executive Director of U.S. Term Limits, who will translate my abstruse pedanticism into, hopefully, a thoughtful and pleasant discussion. Hey, Nick. Hey, Phil. So the reason why I bring this up is that uh, this week in The Hill, which is a uh, basically, I guess, a trade publication for the Congress and people that work for the Congress and hangers-on of the Congress, uh, ran an op-ed by myself, which has been creating a little bit of buzz, called uh, Why Better Candidates Don't Run for Congress. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, around the office and in uh, talking about these things, we use the phrase <laughs> adverse pre-selection as the description of basically what I'm trying to describe in this op-ed. And that is that when you go to vote um, in a situation where you do not have term limits, you have worse choices than if you would if we had a more flexible system with rotation in office and open seats because serious people don't want to run for those. Right, um, right. Don't want to run against incumbents and whatnot, right? So, I know. You and I said we're never going to use these words, adverse pre-selection, in public. But we today we're doing it. I think it's, I think it's cool because when people talk about this issue, um, they tend to focus on those members who are already elected. Uh, they tend to view right. term limits through this prism of who's already been elected to Congress. There's the 40-year dinosaurs that I don't like. And then there's the newer guys that I like, some of them I don't like. Um, certain folks will even say, well, I don't think term limits is going to work because I don't, I don't even like the new members who are running for Congress. But the whole point of adverse pre-selection is, what if there is this giant crop of potential candidates, a huge talent pool in our country? I mean, we have over, we have 320 million people in this country. What if there's this huge talent pool of people who are not running for Congress at all because they know that there's they will have no influence and they know that they don't have the opportunity to serve for a little while and then come home, that it has to be a lifelong commitment. And that puts a chilling effect on people who would otherwise run. I feel like that's the that's the essence of adverse pre-selection. That's right. By pre-selection, we mean that the good candidates are. Before you ever get to a ballot, before anyone gets to vote, they're deciding not to run, and it's adverse. So, yeah, that's the idea. And so um, I tried to make it a little personal by talking about myself a little bit um, because, you know, I'm a middle-aged guy, and I've been successful in business, and I've been in a lot of involved in a lot of the things that would give me skills that would make me a decent candidate. Mm-hmm. And the conclusion I come to, which is the same as a lot of other people in this pool, I'm not going to run for Congress. Hell Forget no. about it. Hell no. <laughs> I mean— there's lots of ways that I can try to influence things in my in the direction that I think would be good for the country and to help out, and I do. I mean, we're doing that right now, you and I, right, by being involved in U.S. tournaments and by being involved in this. But going to Congress is not going to be an effective way to do it. Who are the people that we all need and want in Congress? It's people who don't necessarily see themselves as politicians. 
Those are the ones we. Those are the ones we need. I mean, it's this crazy catch twenty two. Under the status quo, if you are an industrious person, you have no incentive at all to leave your life's work behind None. and run for office. Because if you only go there for a few years, you're going to get buried under the seniority system, and you're going to lack influence. That's a right. way. That's a it's waste. A waste of your time. It's a waste of any serious person's time. Um, and by the way, if they do decide to serve thirty years, they're going to get into that little sphere of influence, but only after they abandon every principle, every passion that drove them to run for office in the first place. Right. So you, the only way you can ever deal with this is by smashing that seniority system, finding a way to um, allocate the power in Washington that doesn't just depend on how many gray hairs you've got on your face. And if you decide to do the opposite, if you just decide to get elected and go in there in your first or second term like a bull in a china shop and just start oh, yeah. ruffling feathers of leadership, you're not going to get anywhere that way either. You know, look at Ron Paul. Without question, he was an intellectual leader in this country for many, many years, inspired a lot of people. But even after 20 years in Congress, they still didn't give him the good committee spots that he would have earned otherwise right. because he had challenged leadership, because he had uh, swam against the current and gone against the status quo. House Financial Services Committee Chairwoman Maxine Waters has served in Congress since 1991 and before that in the California Assembly since 1976. Here, Chairwoman Waters' vast experience is on full display as she wraps up a hearing with Secretary of the Treasury Steve Mnuchin in early April. They pout, they cry, they stomp their feet. But mostly they embarrass America. This is politicians behaving like children. So is it possible you could give us another 15 minutes to get to no, these I, I have a foreign leader waiting in my office at 530. I've sat here for over three hours and 15 minutes. I've told you I'll come back. I, I just don't believe we're sitting here negotiating when I come back. We'll follow up with your office. How long would you like me to come back for next time? I've told you I'll accommodate you. This is a new way, and it's a new day, okay, well, and it's a new chair, okay, and well, I have the gavel at this point. If you wish to leave, you may. Can you clarify that for me? Yes, clarify is so, this. So if I'm you dismissed. wish to leave, you may. Okay, so we're, we're, you're, we're dismissed, is that correct? If you wish to leave, you may leave. I, I don't understand what you're saying. You're wasting you your to... time. Don't rem Remember, you have a, a foreign dignitary in your office. If you'd wish to keep me here so that I don't have my important meeting, and continue to grill me, then we can do that. I will cancel my meeting and I will not be back here. I will be very clear. That's the way you'd like to have this relationship. Thank you. The gentleman, the secretary has agreed to stay to hear all of the rest of the members. Okay, Please so just cancel your meeting the press. and I'm respect canceling. our time. I, I am Who is next on the list? My foreign meeting. You're, you're instructing me to stay here and I should cancel. No, you just meeting. made me an offer. No, I didn't make you an you offer. You made me let's an offer clear. that I accepted. I, I did not make well, you an offer. Just let's be clear. Well, you're you, instructing me. You are ordering me to stay here. You Dean, are free to leave any time you want. Please dismiss everybody. I believe you're supposed to take the gravel and, and bang it. That's Please do not instruct me as to how I'm to conduct this committee. And here's why term limits are the solution to the problem of adverse pre-selection. When, uh, when you have term limits, let's say if you have six-year term limits, is what we advocate, 
I mean, because we're talking about an open seat election in every single district every six years. It's very reasonable for a successful, qualified individual to look at that and say, oh, you know, I, okay, I might be able to win that seat. And then, of course, this six-year uh, tournament applies to all the leadership, too. So you can expect to get in a position of leadership in four years. Mm-hmm. In four years. Learning the ropes and having some influence and not having to be there for a decade or decades in order to reach that. And so it's very realistic for people to spend some time in Washington, go home and let someone else do it. And the cool thing is we don't need to shake a magic eight ball and ask, you know, is this going to work out? We already see that it works out at the state level. In Florida, we have an eight-year term limit, and we have a different speaker of the House every two years. So the power doesn't become concentrated or monopolized in the hands of one single person. You have this leadership turnover. Those leaders Mm -hmm. are a lot more invested in policy outcomes than in control than in pushing members around and you know just and trying to punish those who don't go along to get along you see that they take a lot more chances on newer and younger members people who are in their first term the speaker is always in their fourth term so the gap between the youngest newest members and the most senior members is only six or eight years it's not 30 years like you see in washington dc and that closeness totally changes the dynamic it allows teachers, farmers, doctors, business people to serve in what is effectively a citizen legislature. Right. And leaders are chosen more on merit than, of course, seniority, because seniority is is um, no longer a giant distinction between them. It's not a matter of it's your turn or power that you've amassed over being in, in office for all this time. Nor is it a bad thing to have a line of successors for a leadership position. I would much rather have what we have here in Florida, new speaker every two years, than what you see in Illinois, one person ruling the state house with an iron fist for 35 years. In New York State, it was 25 years. Willie Brown in California, before they got term limits, it was 20 years. You see it in state after state after state, and we see it in Congress. If you don't have term limits, a very small group of people is going to to totally monopolize control over your legislature, and there's going to be virtually no accountability. Um, policies that the public supports are, are not going to rise to see the light of day in a system like that. Right. The bottom line is the best people should be representing us in Congress, but they're not. Um, instead, we're getting this aspiring career politicians because people that will, are willing to go to Congress for 20 years <laughs> before they have any influence are obviously people that are okay with being a career politician. So without the competitive elections brought to us by term limits with regular rotation in office, we're just not going to get those good people. We're never going to see them. Bottom line. Yeah. And just in terms of thinking about it as a policy, um, I'd like for our listeners to not only consider who is in Congress right now, but consider all of the amazing people you may know, the people you may uh, that may come to mind who could make incredible representatives, incredible senators, great public servants, but they just don't run because the system is so damn corrupt. Wouldn't it be great to turn that on its head and create opportunities for them to serve? Hi, this is Scott Tillman, the National Field Director with U.S. Term Limits. We ask state legislature candidates to sign a U.S. Term Limits pledge. The pledge reads, I pledge that as a member of the state legislature, I will co-sponsor and vote for the resolution applying for an Article 5 convention for the sole purpose of enacting term limits on Congress. Mississippi is one of a few states to have odd-year legislative elections. We have 12 candidates in Mississippi who have pledged to support congressional term limits. 
If you have access to a candidate, please ask them to sign our pledge. Pledges are available at termlimits.org. Paul Jacob is a board member of U.S. Term Limits and president of the Liberty Initiative Fund. His column, Common Sense, often covers term limits issues and can be found at thisiscommonsense.com. Chicago, the nation's fabled second city, though now the third largest incorporated metropolis in these United States, sports a new mayor. Two weeks ago, Lori Lightfoot won the city's mayoral runoff by a whopping 47 points, tallying 73% of the vote. As reported, she is a mayor of many firsts. While Chicago has previously elected African-American men to be mayor, as well as one female, Lightfoot becomes the first female African-American mayor. Additionally, Lightfoot is also the first openly gay Chicago mayor. And not to put too fine a point on it, she is also without a doubt the first openly gay African-American female mayor of Chicago named Lori, or named Lightfoot for that matter. But there's more. I'm here to tell you that Ms. Lightfoot has captured yet another, far more consequential first, something not dictated for her by birth, such as skin color, gender, or sexual orientation, but chosen in her individual decision-making process. Lightfoot advocates reform, and unlike any other Chi-Town mayor in history, from before the fire to now, she means limits on her own terms in office. In fact, her campaign's position paper on cleaning up city government puts it first, impose a two-term limit on the mayor. Chicago is the largest city in the country without mayoral term limits, she notes, which has led to entrenched leaders, a lack of new ideas and creative thinking, and city government that works for the few, not the many. This will change when I am mayor, she pledges, and introduce an ordinance that brings Chicago into the mainstream by limiting mayors to serving two terms. Let's do it. And why not limit the terms of city aldermen while we're at it? This is Common Sense. I'm Paul Jacob. We've had some other term limits news this week. I noted that um, uh, there was a new Fox News poll that came out. And uh, surprise, surprise, Americans support term limits. Who'd have thunk it? (laughs) Shocking. Yeah, 80%, right? 80%, yeah, which is pretty much in line with the other polls we've seen. And I'm looking at the demographics here. They're crazy. It doesn't matter which group you look at, men, women, uh, white, non-white, young, old, uh, high income, low income. Liberal, moderate, conservative, white, evangelical, suburban women. Self-admitted Trump voters and self-admitted Clinton voters. Uh, Rural and suburban. People that make over 50 grand a year, under 50 grand a year, age. Rural and suburban. It's a super majority with every single group. Uh, There's no subsection here for people who live in Washington, D.C., I imagine that would be the only, you know, one under 50%. But it, yeah, it's it's off the charts. It's off the charts. And by the way, you know what the lowest support level is in all of our polls? Um, no. It's single people. Because nobody wants to date someone who opposes term limits. <laughs> of course. <laughs> this, this is absolutely true. This is absolutely true. They are single. Beca- I, I maintain they are single because they oppose term limits. That is disgusting and it's unappealing. It's still 76%, though. It is. <laughs> the lowest group, that's, you know what? That's it. The lowest 
percentage of support of any group broken down in this poll, and there's about 30 different demographics here, is 76%. That is incredible. There is no issue in America like that. It's true. Just remember, though, Phil, someone can never love you if they're already in love with corruption and incumbency. (laughs) Yeah, right. Well, that's fake news. Well, that's fake news. Well, that's fake news. Well, that's fake. When our party was boldest, the time of the New New Deal, the Great Society, the Civil Rights Act, and so on, we had and carried supermajorities in the House, in the Senate. We carried the presidency. They had to amend the Constitution of the United States to make sure Roosevelt did not get reelected. That was New York Congress member Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, or AOC, speaking at an MSNBC forum in March. It's a nice story, but it's also completely fictional. First of all, approval of the 22nd Amendment in both the House and the Senate was bipartisan. While Republicans did hold a majority in Congress, 47 Democrats in the House and 16 Democrats in the Senate voted for the amendment, which was broadly supported by Americans of both parties. Also, not to split hairs, but the amendment was not ratified to block FDR from a fourth term. By the time Congress proposed it in 1945, and three-quarters of the states ratified it in 1951, FDR had been dead for years. Harry Truman was President of the United States. Well, that's fake news. Well, that's fake news. Well, that's fake news. Well, that's fake news. Thanks for joining us for another weekly podcast. As you know, the vote is coming down to the wire in Arizona. We need your help. If you could this week, please think of someone you know who lives in Arizona. It doesn't have to be a political activist of any kind, a family member, a business associate. Everyone's for term limits. It's not a controversial thing. Reach out to them. Let them know that there's a crucial vote imminently coming in the Arizona legislature for congressional term limits. Send them a link to TurnLimits.com and direct them to the current actions tab. We need your help. You can also help out by subscribing to No Uncertain Terms and using the podcast app on your iPhone to do so or Google Play or Stitcher on your Android device. And of course, there's always the iTunes. You'll receive a new episode of No Uncertain Terms every Monday. I'll meet you back here next week. Thanks. The revolution isn't being televised. Fortunately, you have the No Uncertain Terms podcast. fly has been attacking me all day one fly has just been tormenting me since like seven in the morning it's just like been buzzing around my face and i don't have a fly swatter i don't have fly traps i don't i I don't have a venus fly trap i might buy a venus fly trap try to catch it